as you're uh, finding the Pew Bible or wherever you need to find the scripture, turning to John 4, I'd like to welcome to the pulpit this morning the Executive Director of Seneca Hills Bible Conference, uh, Reverend Lyndon Fowler, and he's also here with his lovely family. So, Lyndon. Good morning. That wasn't too bad. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, And I want to say thank you to uh, those who executed my contract effectively. You got the basket of Smarties that I requested, so thank you. Uh, It's going to be a good service. You all better just hold on tight. Our text today comes from John chapter 4. I was telling Paul before the service, I said, I'm assuming I'm going to read the text. And he said, well, maybe you don't want to assume that, but we worked it out and I'm I'm able to read the text for you. But I said, I I just usually choose the generic chapter and I don't go into specific verses, so I have some flexibility. So if you all are good, uh, we'll get through that whole text. Uh, We're going to look at the first 26 verses. So... Hear the word of the Lord. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Would you pray with me? Father, we give thanks for your word and for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to to be together, to be reminded of your, your grace and your mercy, not just in Bible times, but here and now. Be with us as we look at your word, illumine our hearts and our minds by your spirit, that we might be renewed in the image of your son, our savior. We ask all this in his name, amen. Well, I bring greetings from the warm, sunny hills of Seneca Hills. It is about 85 degrees right now and sunny. You wouldn't know it down here, but you come north and uh, you'll see what I mean. Okay, it's a joke. Tough. Um, but as we, as we start this text, I do want to just make one uh, uh, comment on the announcements page. If you want to turn in the announcements, there is a, a fill-in-the-blank opportunity for you with Seneca Hills. The, uh, the fourth announcement down there is the Seneca Hills Spring Workday at the end of the month. And uh, it says to call with any questions, and we give you the area code. Well, I would like to give you the other seven digits. So if you have a pen or a pencil or a crayon, the other seven digits are 432-3026. 432-3026. But now that you're looking at that announcement, go ahead and make plans to come on up on the 28th for Workday. But this summer, we're preparing for our 83rd summer of ministry at Seneca Hills. It's pretty exciting to be a part of a ministry that that goes back as far as it does in this region. And our theme this summer is live life abundantly from John 10.10. So we're looking at the book of John with our volunteers and our staff and working through it now as we're leading up to the summer. And this summer, that's what we're going to be looking through with the staff and campers. And so John 4 is one of those texts that jumped out to me as we have been studying. And so I want to ask this question is why do we have this story? Why do we have this story of John chapter 4? You know, we know why we have the book. At the end of the book, John tells us that everything was written so that we might believe and have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. But why do we have this story, the story of a Samaritan woman? Might I suggest that we have this story to remind us that God's grace 
is not limited. You see, it's an interesting story because the Jews hated the Samaritans. John, we even have it in our text in parentheses. In verse 9, it says, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So if we're reading this and we don't quite understand, John makes a point to tell us that Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And part of that was is the Samaritans were viewed as deluded people, polluted people. They were, they were half-breeds, as some people have referred to, because when the northern kingdom fell and the people were taken into exile, some of those who remained married with the Assyrians who came in, and then when other folks came back who have intermarried, they were not, they, they deluded the patriarch heritage that they had. And so the Jews did not like them and they did not get along. Not only that, they didn't get along so much that in, I think it was about 128, 129 BC that the Jews destroyed their temple. And so here we have this story of Jesus interacting with the Samaritan woman. Verse 4, I want to point out, Jesus knew what he was doing. Now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus was on mission when he was here on earth. After their travels, it's estimated it was probably a day and a half travel from where they started to where they were going. They get to the well at noon. The Jewish calendar or the Jewish clock starts at six o'clock in the morning, roughly. And this is the sixth hour, so it is hot. Not like Western Pennsylvania. This is the Middle East. He's tired, he sits down. Verse 7 When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? It's just Jesus and this woman. And the Samaritan woman's caught off guard. She's like, why are you talking to me? I am a Samaritan woman. She knew she shouldn't be having this conversation because of the religious rules and the way that those two cultures got along, didn't get along. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, the Samaritan woman was at the well in the middle of the day because she couldn't go when it was most common. The most common times to collect water was in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. That's when the women would go with their jars. It's not little little water bottles or little cups that they would travel. It would be water for their household, for cooking, for cleaning, it would be a lot of water. And I think some of us know that it's a little hotter and harder to carry things in the middle of the day when we're hot and when we're tired and when that sun is out in full force. So there she is in the middle of the day. 
at the well. And she was at the well because nobody cared for her. The text goes on to, to tell us as in the intera- interaction a little bit later that she's had five husbands and she's now living with the sixth man. So she is among the lowest of the low of the Samaritan people. That she wasn't accepted. And so she is at the well in the middle of the day because she can't go when would be the appropriate times. So Jesus asks her, will you give me a drink? And she's caught off guard by that. So why, why are you asking me for a drink? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. In verse 11, you know, he had just said, uh, you would ask, have asked me about living water. The well that they are at, Jacob's well, is estimated at the time and still to this day to be at least 100 feet deep. That's a significant well. It's a long way to draw water. But there are, there are a few things going on here to be mindful of. The woman is at the well to meet a physical need. She's tired. Jesus is tired. And you need water. Something that we take for granted because we have such access to water in our life that we don't think about the thirst and and the lack of access to water. She's there because she has a physical need. She's there at that part of the day because she has a relational need. Well, more so relational brokenness. And these are the kind of stories that we, we look at and we think, oh, well, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. But more than that, she has a spiritual need. So she's there to get a drink of water, trying to be by herself, isolated, and Jesus engages her. He asks her for a drink. And she's taken back by that. So they begin this conversation. How can you ask me for a drink? You know, she is just stuck on the barriers that exist between her people and the Jews. So Jesus answered her, said, if you knew the gift in verse 10 of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jeremiah 2 references God as the living water. Bringing up, this is God himself starting to give hints of who he is to this woman. And so she goes on, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And so she backs up and says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well 
and drank from it himself, as, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. You see, she was at the well, and her life is representative and and shows us that she kept going to the wells of this world for satisfaction. From husband one to husband two to husband three to husband four to husband five to man number six. And she wasn't satisfied. It was not meeting the needs that she had in her life. And what might be the translation for us, it may not be relationships, but the wells in this world that we go to could be economic security, that next promotion, moving to the next job, thinking that we're going to get satisfied at that next place. We're going to be satisfied in that next home, that next house, that next basket of Smarties, that next meal. There were a lot like that woman at the well who we go to to the wells of this world to seek satisfaction and we come up still needing something more. And Jesus tells us that. He says in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. You drink water from this well, drink from the wells of this world, you are going to be thirsty again. But he tells us what the solution is. Verse 14, he says, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. How about that? Would you like to not thirst anymore? Not only will you not thirst, he says, the water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, that has the woman's attention. Verse 15, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, if she didn't have to keep coming back to the well, what are the the things that are being solved with this? Well, she doesn't have to work in that same way to gather the water and carry it back. But she doesn't have to live in that shame of going in the middle of the day to avoid what her life is reputation had become. So Jesus continues to interact with her in verse 16, says, go call your husband and come back. You know, she's interested. She wants to know about this water. And she said, well, I have no husband. That's true. We're often like this, this woman when we're interacting, you know, she gives, she tells the truth, but it's not the whole truth. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. And then he goes on to tell her about herself. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. 
what you have just said is quite true. How's that for sometimes we think we're being honest? And Jesus says, let me tell you the whole story. Sir, verse 19, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And here's what one of my professors in seminary said. She throws dust in the air to say, well, does it really matter? Is what he said. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She changes the subject. Start telling her about who she is and the brokenness that she experiences we kind of do that too. We throw, throw the dust up in the air, try to get it in folks' eyes and say, well, how can you say that you're right? So Jesus continues on with her. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You know, I'd mentioned that the temple, their temple had been destroyed. So there's the debate between the Samaritans and the Jews of, do you worship in Jerusalem or do you worship in Mount Gerizim where the Samaritan temple was? It says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So here we are at the well. A woman who is despised by her people because she's had five husbands. She's living with a man who won't even marry her, putting her at the furthest, lowest point among her social status. And she's face to face with the Savior. See, Jesus treats this woman with tremendous respect and grace by meeting her where she is. Midday in her shame. In her weariness and her relational brokenness. And the same offer exists for us as believers. And if you're not yet a believer, for Jesus to meet you in your brokenness. The rest of the chapter goes on to to say, I, I like This is one of my favorite interactions of the disciples with Jesus. In verse 27, it says, Just then the disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with the woman. 
But, but the next, this is my favorite part. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? I'd like to think they got it. They knew enough to not say something of, well, what are you doing? We don't talk to them. But his grace and his concern for that woman took priority over them saying, don't you know who you're talking to? After that interaction, the woman is so touched and understands who Jesus is. In verse 28, she leaves her jar and she goes back to her people. to tell them, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. How many of us run from the reputation or brokenness in our lives? You know, some of us can hide the brokenness and we think we have it together pretty well. This woman didn't have it. She clearly had a reputation among her people. So, of course, it's easier when your brokenness is, is on display for everyone to see. Of course, she would say and embrace that. She doesn't embrace her brokenness for brokenness sake. She embraces it to say, look, this man knew everything about me. Could he be the Christ? Could he be the one who they knew was coming to save them from their brokenness. You're continuing on the text, it's another fun interaction. This is with the disciples. And the disciples said to Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. You know, bringing it back to, to the physical world. <laughs> but he sets them back on track, says, look, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. But the testimony of this one woman who goes back to her people to say, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two days. The Savior of the world, staying with the people that the Jews would not associate with. And they asked him to stay for two days, and it says, and because of his words, many more became believers. So why do we have this story? It's not a story to make us feel better than other people. You know, usually we, we sit out in the pews and I do it myself and we think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. They really needed to hear that message. That would have been really good for them. Boy, I wish they were here. But the, 
story is here so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that his grace is good enough for you. That his grace is good enough in the brokenness, whether it be relational or anything else, that his grace is good enough for you. We live in a technologically advanced world where we look at pictures that are pretty, put together, and that leave us thinking that we are lacking something so often. And this story reminds us that when we are with Jesus and we're following him, we're not lacking anything. And we have to come to that well of living water that Jesus offers in John 7, in John 17, it goes on to tell us that the, the, the living water is eternal life and the gift of the Spirit. And that same gift, it's not just available to the Samaritan woman. That same gift is available to us. You know, it's interesting in the flow of John, just the chapter before We have an educated Jewish man going to Jesus at night. And now we have a half-breed Samaritan woman meeting Jesus in the middle of the day. That God's grace is available for all of us who would receive it. Do you hear his voice? When Jesus said to her, he said, I who speak to you am he. God meets you where you are. Will you let him meet you? Will you get away those distractions of, well, what does it really matter? Or, I'm not good enough. You are, none of us are good enough. But that's why Jesus came to die. And that's the good news of the gospel is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just die for us who take better pictures and post on our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter feeds or have pithy things to say or read lots of books or don't read at all. Jesus died for us that we might have life in his name and that we would have abundant life and that we would know the difference between the wells of the world and the well where we get living water of Jesus. It's my prayer for for us, for our staff and for our campers that we might 
live out of that abundant life that Jesus offers to us. That we might refrain from thinking we're not good enough to receive God's grace. And that we might embrace it and that we might share it with others that one woman's testimony or one, one of our testimony might impact those around us that we would share with others the gift of eternal life and abundant life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your concern and your story that we have recorded for us of how our Savior met the Samaritan woman where she was. Father, help us to receive your grace. And it's not because of something that we've earned. Father, be with us as we go from this place. Continue to be honored through our worship this morning. Help us to love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.